Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the A Million God Stories podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. And with this week's episode, we have the storyteller themselves with us, uh, Miss Anna. Anna, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, John? I'm great. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us. We're super excited to have you. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I love this. Yes, absolutely. And Anna's story, as um, all of them on this podcast and on our website and through our platform, is just um, such a testament of God's power um, and his ability to work in our lives and do um, wonderful things. So just super excited for you all to hear Anna's story today. I will go ahead and pray for us and then hand it off to her. So please pray with me. Uh, Father, uh, we just thank you so much uh, for this day. We thank you. Uh, for who you are, that you are a good God that loves us, uh, pursues us, and Lord, who is faithful. And Lord, I just pray right now uh, that your spirit uh, would be uh, in these moments, would be specifically in this story and a story, that you would use it uh, to turn hearts of stone to flesh, to draw people to you. Um, And Lord, that you would reveal more of yourself and your love um, to us through Anna's story today. Lord, thank you that you're doing that, that you are moving, that you are active, that you are living uh, and moving in uh, ordinary people's lives, just like Anna, and in an extraordinary way. So Lord, we pray that you would do that again in this time and that you would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, Anna, um, you can go ahead and take the range from here and start reading whenever you would like. Okay. So I grew up the daughter of a pastor. I'm the oldest of six kids. All girls, no boys. Ever since I can remember as a child, our family was involved in international missions. The first time I went on a mission trip, I was about seven years old. It was such an impact and shaped my heart with a global perspective. One year on my birthday, my dad encouraged me to have an adventure. He said, You've always had a heart for the nations. Don't stay here in the United States and miss out on pursuing your dreams. I was working as a nurse at the time. I had no debt and really nothing tying me down. His challenge took me by surprise and would play over and over in my head. And the truth was I wasn't quite ready at the time to really move on that challenge. The idea kept playing over and over in my head and I began to seriously pray about it. I quietly explored mission options in different nations, and I didn't feel called to a specific country. But after weeks of praying, there was an opportunity to serve and God confirmed that this was the opportunity I should take. I contacted a specific ministry I felt led to serve, and they were willing to have me. I signed up to work with them for five months, and I thought that that would be the extent of my adventure. But by month four, I began to hear stories of little girls working in prostitution in the country where I was serving. I started to explore why this was happening. At the time in 2009, there was limited information on sex trafficking and its impact and pervasiveness. There was no hashtags or movements of any kind at this point. So a friend and I went to a little town close to the border where we had heard this was happening wanting to understand the complex nature of this problem of what was called human trafficking and if there was a way to help. We took multiple trips to this border town to develop relationships with churches and local authorities. And it was through those relationships we learned more and more about what was happening 
and the factors that led to the exploitation of women and children. And a crazy idea came to light. We decided, hey, let's throw a Christmas party for the women and children we are working with in prostitution near the town where we had been establishing relationships. This was at the border of two Central American nations. Our purpose was to establish relationships and let people know we were there to help. It took a lot of hard work, fundraising, and prayer to plan that Christmas party. We worked with Border Patrol and immigration officials from both nations at the border. We partnered with local churches from both nations as well, and churches in the United States also supported our efforts. We brought food and presents, games, and generators. During the planning, we had not met one woman that could attend our party, but we continued to pray and trust God that women would attend. The weekend of the party, we passed out flyers and waited with expectant hearts for what God had in store. I felt so on the limb of my faith. On December 5th, 2009, 25 to 30 women and children showed up to our party. They couldn't believe that someone would want to throw a party for people who worked in prostitution. And we were overjoyed that so many people came. We had spent months of prayer and fasting preparing, and it was the most amazing feeling to see God show up this way. We were able to share the love of God and who Jesus was, and for two to three hours, the women and children were simply our honored guests. We were just there to let them know they were loved and seen. One of the head immigration officials who was there said, there's so much light here tonight, and I'm not just talking about the generators, and he winked at me. This party was the catalyst of my journey to help men, women, and children involved in and affected by sexual exploitation. The party furthered our understanding of the great need to help. That weekend launched our ministry. We developed a vision and passion to end exploitation, not only in that area, but in the whole nation I was serving as a missionary. After that event, while I was so encouraged by what I'd seen God do, I was also fully aware that if I committed to help in this way, I would be staying longer than five months, dealing with dangers and learning a different language and culture. I recognize the complexity of this type of ministry and my lack of experience in this area. I knew I had signed up for a big endeavor. I would be away from the support of my family and church community back home. When I said yes, I weighed the cost and I did so with much prayer and fasting but I felt that God was truly calling me to this type of ministry in this particular place. And I knew that what I lacked, I could rely on God to provide over the years. God has sent countless amazing people to help people with experience, knowledge, talents, resources, and strengths that I don't possess. I wasn't drawn to help survivors of exploitation because it was sad and terrible. I was drawn to the redemptive side, partnering with Jesus to see freedom come. It was a journey with God of learning lessons and learning from mistakes. I had this photo of the little legs of the children of the women in prostitution from the night of our first event, the Christmas party on the border. I often looked at that photo and thought, what if the world looked different for those little legs? What if they could have a different future? I became so passionate about prevention, ending human trafficking before it could ever start. I had a passion that a child would never have to be exposed to it. There was so much trial and error in such a huge task. We did much research and outreach to inform our programs. 
At the time, there was limited resources on how to do prevention of exploitation in a programmatic, replicable way. We were pioneers of sorts, I guess. We started to learn all the factors that put people at risk and make them vulnerable. We tackled the prevention side through a relational lens because this is the way we felt God was calling us to work. That was over 10 years ago. And the photo of those little legs on the bench has been my constant reminder of why I fight. Over the years, I have sat across the table from women and men working in prostitution, women and men in prison, kids growing up in violent communities and later going on to steal to survive, young people trying to dodge gang life, young people succumbing to the pressures of gang life, and many survivors of human trafficking. I've listened to the stories of formerly incarcerated men and women trying to rebuild their lives after serving their time but coming up against a society that won't let them rebuild. I've sat across the table from people who never thought they would leave home and country and become a refugee, dependent on another nation's generosity. And all of these stories and relationships have changed my life. Today, I'm amazed at the number of people God has allowed our team to serve. I have met many wonderful men, women, and children. I have seen God crooked past straight I have seen God turn the seemingly impossible into possible. Enemies have become friends. Dark has become light. Hopelessness has transformed to hope. I have witnessed the power of love against shame, hate, and violence. I have seen love bring freedom. And the verse that I have just rested on is Psalms 139, 11 and 12. And it says, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Yeah, that's really good, Anna. Thank you so much um, for sharing. I just, I think of, I think of a lot of different things, but um, towards the beginning, just when you all were planning and praying and putting so much effort into um, that Christmas party, and you said that none of the the women that you had relationships said that they were going to come. Is that right? Well, yeah. And part of that, but also part of it was most of the women would come out at night and it was in the middle of a border. So it's obviously very dangerous for us to walk around okay. at a border. And so part of the reason we didn't know if they would come is I hadn't met one person. And while I knew there were prostitution groups that worked that border I, I remember walking through the border and seeing like high heel marks. That was about as much evidence as I had yeah. and just the word of other people. And so we just knew a kind of, we were kind of pan, handing out flyers and putting on places, but we really hadn't met one woman who was set, who said, you know, Oh, I'll come. I would love to come. So that was kind of why it felt right. like, like an right. invisible guest list, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I just like, I think about how so many people, even myself, including, would be discouraged at that or even think, gosh, should we do it? Um, but just like the fact that you all still went to the Lord in prayer and fasting and believed um, that, that he was calling you to this and were faithful. Like it, it, it makes me think of like Noah when he built, <clears throat> excuse me, built the ark, even when there was no rain and when Abraham left his his people, his his land just these leaps of, of faith, um, but just trusting that God's going to move. It's just so cool to hear one, how you all did that remain faithful. Um, even when you didn't have like crazy exterior evidence, 
but then he showed up as well. Like that was one of the uh, most powerful. Yeah, parts, it was such a. I remember actually too. You know, being a part of throwing it, we were going back and forth across the borders in both nations to just kind of get permission because different aspects were on one side and so complicated and fascinating. But there was this moment, you know, getting paperwork signed and someone was talking to me. And one of my friends from uh, back home had joined the trip from the U.S. And she knew I had been nervous. What if no one comes? And she walked up to me as I'm like, you know, discussing something or getting a paper signed. And she says, Anna, look, they're here. And I will never forget that moment of turning around and seeing Gosh. all those women and children show up. And it, and I can still like, you know, those yeah. times I never forget where you were standing and, and it's mm-hmm. one of those. And I just walked away. Normally I wouldn't be as rude, but I just walked away from that current conversation right. and a beeline for the first girl to practice my very broken Spanish because I just felt so honored they came. And it was, yeah. it was just one of those life-changing moments of just seeing God just show up in that way and trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. That's so incredible. And I loved the, um, this part where you said I wasn't drawn to help survivors of exploitation because it was sad and terrible. I was drawn to the redemptive side, partnering with Jesus to see freedom come. Um, and I just feel like, and again, myself included, just we, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and over overwhelmed to the point where you uh, move towards like apathy of like, well, I, I just, there's nothing really I could do. Uh, but I just love, I love how you said that if, if you didn't see it as, um, you know, being drawn to the, the sad and terrible thing, you weren't overwhelmed by that, but rather you, you saw the opportunity that Jesus was calling you into to bring about freedom and life to these people. Um, and I just, I feel like that's such an encouragement for myself and the people. Yeah, that I, I think, you know, trafficking is, can still be quite a buzzword and trendy at times and, and it's important mm-hmm. and it's a, it's something that's come to the forefront of a lot of conversation this year. Um, but I think we, in a we can kind of have a reactive, uh, attitude, I think in it to the heart and mm-hmm. all the, the things that come with it. But I think what, when we don't have a more understanding or a more knowledgeable response, I think our reaction like you said, whether it's apathetic. Um, I think that what happens is we're so we unknowingly partner with the shame that kept that survivor there. And really mm-hmm. we hold their freedom almost at arm's length by reacting. So, and, and it's easy to do. I mean, when I first got involved in trying to understand human trafficking, I was shocked at the stories I was hearing that a human being could survive all of that. But yeah, ultimately what's so amazing is the stories that I could stack up against of just amazing transformation. They are some of the bravest people I've had the privilege to know and walk alongside because, mm-hmm. and that really, if you think about it, that's the whole point. Jesus went to the cross is shame never to hold us there. That is, you know, so I think unknowingly yeah. and when we don't fully grasp or we have apathy or we feel so overwhelmed or the heart of it, it's not that none of that is real. It's just that that's not, the the better response is the same that Jesus had. Like, like he paid for all that on the cross. And so I think that's why I just realized, oh, I have to partner with what Jesus is doing. I have to partner with hope because that's, mm. that's the greater part of the story. Um, and I think that that's just kept me yeah. um, from not fully burning out and leaving after a decade. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And I think like, 
I just love the way you put that because Jesus is the one doing the work and he's mm-hmm. inviting us into that. He's the one setting the captives free. Um, and it's just like you, you stepped into that invitation, like you said, to partner with him, to partner with Jesus yeah. to see freedom come. Um, I love that so much. Well, that's awesome. I don't think you gave um, the name of um, your organization and nonprofit. Do you just want to tell us the name and then also where people could go, just like maybe your website to, to learn more? Yeah. So our name is Light Force International. We often go by LFI and we're on social media and you can find our website actually lightforceintl.com. L-I-G-H-T-F-O-R-C-E-I-N-T-L dot com. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, Well, guys, I hope that you all leave encouraged um, and uh, just uh, brought, brought life and hope today through Anna's story. And like she said, just see how Jesus is moving. He is moving um, in the United States. He's, he's moving all across the world um, in people's lives. And he is bringing freedom um, and he's bringing joy uh, and purpose. And he is bringing uh, redemptive power into mm-hmm. areas um, where shame um, and bondage does exist. And he wants to do that in your life as well. And I just love what you said, Anna, of, um, you know, that is the purpose of the cross is uh, to, to, so that we're no yeah. longer held by that shame but we experience his, his forgiveness and freedom and love and life. Um, so guys, we hope that you um, are encouraged today by this story of Anna's. Um, and if you or anyone else that you know has a story such as this of how God has worked in your life, uh, we would just love for you to, uh, to continue to share that with us. And you can do so at uh, a million www.amilliongodstories.com. You can go there um, and fill out some information of how you can share your story with us. And we'll add that to our, our online platform. And then hopefully we could even have you on the, the uh, podcast as well. So you all, um, I hope that you have a blessed day. Anna, thank you so much again. And we will um, see you all next week. Mm-hmm.